to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. It was quite horrible, even just to sleep at night. You know how you do a sort of awkward rollover when you're pregnant? I would have to hold my stomach and sort of carry it and shift it over and then let my body follow. It was sort of like having something alien on your body. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. I had never heard of Mirror Syndrome before recording this interview. An unborn baby with a terrible diagnosis which is also passed on to the pregnant mother and the mother mirrors the symptoms and feels them herself. It sounds like science fiction, but this is what happened to Sophie. Content warning, this episode discusses child loss. Resources will be linked in the show notes. Sophie, welcome to The Deep. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. I always love learning about new things and I'd actually never heard about mirror syndrome before you. Could you explain a little bit about what that is and when this started for you? Mirror syndrome is a rare issue for pregnant women and it only occurs to you if you are pregnant with a baby that is suffering from hydrops fatalis. Can you explain what that is? And so hydrops is also a rare condition and it is where your baby is filling up with fluid and it starts to then transfer to the mum and you mirror what your baby's going through. That is wild. So it's something that impacts the baby and always impacts the mother too or does it impact the baby and sometimes the mother mirrors and sometimes doesn't? Yeah, it impacts the baby and then sometimes you might get it as a mother as well. Okay, so you it was just by chance that you got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the baby is – that sounds really dangerous. At what age does the baby start to have these symptoms? It can come on at any time, but for my pregnancy, it wasn't picked up until I was 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. But I think it probably developed around 17. Okay. What were you feeling when you noticed something was wrong? So I first noticed um, around 17 weeks, my husband was on holiday in Australia just for one week. And I said to him, you won't believe it when you come back how much my stomach has grown. 
and he just sort of laughed it off and it, it was our first baby so we didn't know what to expect and then when he came back he's like yeah you're right it has grown heaps and so we started to measure my stomach and in I think it was two weeks that it had grown 15 centimetres. And so the baby is also holding the fluid in its belly or in all over? Um, she had it under her skin, in her chest, in her, by her brain and in her stomach. Holy moly. So you go to the doctor do they know what it is straight away or is this quite rare? It's quite rare. So I went for my 20-week scan and I still thought that everything was fine. And then the sonographer was doing her ultrasound and she just said, um, something's wrong and you need to go to the hospital. And she just left it at that. And so we were sort of just left guessing like, well, what could be wrong? And I think we waited a few days before we could be seen at the hospital. And then he, by this stage, I had Googled it, like you're not meant to, but I just couldn't help myself, and had come up with high drops. It could be high drops. And it did say a complication of high drops is mirror syndrome. And then I started to think, well, I sort of, feel like what those symptoms say too. So then we went to the specialist at our local hospital. He did his ultrasound and check and he wouldn't say what was wrong. He was sort of disclosing it. And my husband just said, is it high drops? And he goes, "Um, yes, it is, but don't Google it. And I said, yeah, um, it's too late. We already have. And so he's didn't even warn about mirror syndrome another doctor that was in the room with him said well what about and I think she was hinting at mirror syndrome he said oh no we won't mention that because then they'll panic and so then we had to wait (laughs) again what did you read about it so far like what are you what's your understanding at this point of both high drops and mirror syndrome I had read that high drops had, that it was rare and that your baby could pass away from it. But then I had read lots of survival stories as well. And then I had read that women can die from mirror syndrome. How? Um, it's, it, one of its symptoms too is preeclampsia, so eventually you know, your heart rate would rocket, you'd fill up with fluid, and it can start to crush your organs. Wow. So you've already waited four weeks. Like you waited between the 16, you know, when you were 16 weeks and you noticed something yeah. and you got the scan, but now they're making you wait and then wait again. But you're telling me there's fatalities for both mother and child. Yeah. Is this like negligent kind of behavior? What What are our next steps? Um, I think on their end of it, it's just a poor healthcare system and maybe people not acting fast enough. But we did luckily get an urgent 
appointment at Wellington Hospital with the maternal fetal medicine and he was much better I think he was American and this is what he specialized in so they had flown him down from Auckland to talk to us but um, he did a really comprehensive ultrasound for about an hour and because my stomach was so full of fluid it was like rock hard so they had to really dig in to be able to see and it was all I remember is now is how painful it was and then he just said you're pretty much left with two options um you can wait until your baby passes away but then there's a risk that you'll pass away or you could terminate your pregnancy because he said she wasn't um, going to survive with how bad her high drops was. Regardless. Yeah, because she, by the time I had her at 22 weeks, her stomach was measuring that of a 36-week baby because it was so full. Uh... And so it had crushed her lungs up into her chest and it had crushed her heart so they said even if I'd waited and she was born after 24 weeks where they might be able to help her survival her lungs would have never coped with breathing rumia and her heart wouldn't have coped either oh, I'm so sorry yeah it was really hard what a horrific and and the thing that's so unique is you're having a similar experience to her yeah yeah so in a way i knew how she felt how was that what is the sensation of that for you towards the end i think from when we made our choice to end our pregnancy i still had to wait a few days and by then my face was throbbing, I was so swollen, my stomach was hard, even just to bend over and plug a phone charger into the wall, the fluid would rush to my head and would just be this horrific throbbing sensation throughout my whole face and I just had constant headaches and my blood pressure was through the roof and it was quite horrible, even just to sleep at night you know how you do a sort of awkward rollover when you're pregnant? I would have to hold my stomach and sort of carry it and shift it over and then let my body follow. It was sort of like having something alien on your body. Wow. Like almost um, tumour-like or something. Yeah, like yeah, because it just didn't move and it was so hard and full and... So your baby girl, did they say between that 20-week mark and say you did choose to go through with it and you didn't terminate, would she pass in the stomach or would she survive outside at all? Um, they weren't sure, but they did say that she would most probably just pass away in the stomach once her organs couldn't cope with the pressure on them. Do we have any kind of understanding what 
babies in the womb can feel? Could she feel it? Yeah, they didn't really say. Could you have somehow, is early detection a thing? Can you um, save babies from high drops? Is like, is there, you know, you were reading that there are survival stories. Yeah. What, what were those? The doctor did say to me, the Wellington specialist, not to Google because he said um, doctors are only going to ever share their survival stories because they don't want to share about how another woman lost another baby to this condition. But they can put in your baby while you're pregnant shunts. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yes. I didn't know you could do it through the womb. Yeah, so they can put it in. Um, through they have to go in through your stomach, through your uterus, and put the little spiral coil into your baby, one in the chest and one in the back, and that would help the fluid drain out. But he said there is a risk that the baby can just grab it and rip it out, and then it's not going to work. He did say we could have tried that if we wanted to, but um, he said there was he didn't think it would work or be worth my pain enduring it. And because I'd already had an amniocentesis at 16 weeks, then he said I could be at a risk for having a miscarriage with so many needles and things being poked into my uterus. Oh, my gosh. It feels very hopeless. Like there's no real options. With your other tests was everything okay up until you started to see your excess fluid was everything fine yeah so at my 13 week scan where they do the scan for down syndrome I can't remember what the exact term it is they use the sonographer kept measuring over and over and over again and I don't know why I just sort of had this inkling like well, this isn't right. Why does she need to get this measurement so many times? And then it came back, our results, as a 1 in 20 chance of our baby having Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So, And then that's when we found out we were having, oh, no, that's from the amniocentesis. And so from there they said you can go and have an amniocentesis at 16 weeks to rule it out. So I did that and it came back great. It came back fine, healthy baby, no issues. Everything looks wonderful. So we were all excited again that Mm. everything looks great. We found out we were having a girl. We went shopping. We started buying girls' clothes and decor for her room and it finally looked like it was on the up just to then four weeks later get another setback. So it turned that quickly. It was between that yeah. 16, like really quick. Yeah, Because you really started fast. to feel the symptoms with the six in the 16 weeks. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What do they say causes high drops? It can have a multitude of causes like a heart defect. Um, Down syndrome babies can also be a risk for it and mothers pregnant with twins if they have twin-to-twin transfusion, one twin could get high drops, which I actually know someone who that happened to, one of their twins. And ours, 
at first they thought she would have a heart defect, but in Wellington they said, no, heart's fine. Um, and then they said we'd, we'd have to wait till we had a um, post-mortem done to see if they could find the cause. It feels like a very cruel disease. Is it a disease? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's classed as a disorder. Yeah, it just feels very cruel. Like especially yeah, it is. for a mother to be able to then mirror that and feel like that's so what an extraordinary experience to Yeah. What do they say causes the mirroring? I don't can't quite remember what they say, but it only happens in women with high drops baby high drops babies and that's about it I could find. It's almost like it's just sort of a fluke that it happens. As well as the fluid, do you feel anything else? Um, I can't really feel her moving and you're just really breathless. Um, It's hard to walk around, hard to get around. And I was starting to get... Um, contractions as well if I walked too much. Even just going to the mall and walking from one shop to another, I'd start to get contractions and have to stop and have a break. And I was still working the whole time too um, as an early childhood teacher in a baby's room. Wow. So that was quite hard as well. So you get this information, it's like an impossible decision you leave your baby to is it drown or is it suffocate or is it what is the cause of death if you leave the baby um I think it would just be that the body would shut down the organ failure yeah yeah so you have that as one option and then you have termination as another what was that decision like? Um, it was, yeah, it was so hard. I really didn't want to terminate it first. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then my husband was like, like, this is affecting you too. We can't just carry it on and she's not going to survive. And I remember my dad said the same thing too, like we want you to survive this so that we've still got you as well. Mm. It just feels very unfair. I know in our um, hospital system, I may be wrong, I think it's 20 or 22 weeks, if you have to have a medical termination, you have to birth the baby? Yes, yeah. Is it the same over there? Yeah, it's the same. So is that a part of the discussion? Yeah, yeah. Where to, how they um, do it. And um, my mother-in-law was asking them, like, can't you just do a cesarean, like don't put her through that stress of then having to give birth. But 
they said, well, then caesareans affect future pregnancies, so it's better to try and have your baby naturally. It's just, it's just so fucked up, you know? Yeah. Like, not only do you have to make this decision you don't want to make, you've never wanted to make, but then you have to go through a birth. How, yeah. Do you Does this all happen on the one day? Do they say, okay, you've made the decision? How do they actually do a medical termination? Oh, so I had to ring my midwife with my decision and she contacted the hospital. And then I went into hospital on the Friday and I had to take a pill that disrupts your placenta so that they stop. Oh. So it stops working essentially so that the baby can just pass away inside of you. Like stops feeding the baby. Yeah, yeah. So it stopped working essentially, yeah. And stopped pumping. The blood. Yeah. And the oxygen. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was a needle. Like, I don't know what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. They do that after, I think it was 26 weeks. They told me I was best to make my choice before 26 weeks. Otherwise, they have to stick a needle into the baby's heart to get it to stop beating. It feels cruel. And I, like, to you, it feels so... Oh, my gosh, that's the thoughts that you must be having when you think I'm taking this pill and now how long is that process that it stops? Yeah, I took it on the Friday and then I was booked in Monday morning. I had to then go in and have another pill stuck in my cervix to try and induce labour and soften the cervix. And then... Yeah, they stuck another one in at 12 o'clock lunchtime and they said, oh, we do this every four hours until you go into labour and it might be about midnight, but it was within an hour of that second pill my waters broke. What what, are you, then, what is this like for you? Like how, are you just – What's your frame of mind? Are you detached? Are you just like, fuck it, let's just do this, let's get it done? Like, what do you, how do you mentally prepare yourself for that? I was, I would say looking back, I was mentally detached and just sort of like, this is what we have to do. Going through the motions. Yeah, just going through it. Are you and this labor, how long does that take from the time your water breaks? It was about three hours and it was intense. I had sort of no breaks in between how you'd normally have a contraction, get a break. I was just in extreme pain the entire time. You're just vomiting and I asked for pain relief and they said because they didn't have to worry about my pain relief affecting the baby, they gave me fentanyl 
and then they gave me too much fentanyl and I started to sort of go unconscious almost and stop breathing. But the only way you can get fentanyl out of your system apparently is to breathe it out. So I had to have my husband and um, a midwife on the other side of me standing there and repeating breathe and breathe and breathe so that I would breathe it out and come to. And you're still giving birth with all of this happening. Yeah. Why didn't they give you the pain relief earlier? Why should you feel anything? To this day, I still don't know. I think they just think, oh, you'll just go through the motions and then we'll see how you go instead of look at, in hindsight, I would have rather had an epidural or something to just at least alleviate the pain so I could get through it a bit easier. Yeah, it's that sounds barbaric to me. And so you come to with the fentanyl and do you remember birthing her? Yeah, I do, yeah. She's passed away now. Yeah, yeah. Do you get to be with her? Yeah. So we did have one little scare. They did say, originally they said to us she would be passed away before birth. And then someone on the day said she might be alive and you can hold her as you pass to, as she passes away. And that absolutely freaked my husband out. He said, I, I don't want to watch that happen. But it turned out that per- that person was wrong. They had told us the wrong information. What? What yeah. is going on? Yeah. This is bad enough to get your head around that and then be like, hang on a minute, we've just thought the baby has passed away this whole time. Now you're saying it could come out alive and then we have to have a process of it, which is fine if that had happened and you knew that that was going to happen and you accepted that. But to this just this just is like a – this is a clusterfuck. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, this is not right. Yeah. This is not right. So this baby – what's her name? Um, Iris. Iris. Iris comes out and oof, what is that like for you and your husband to meet her? Well, at first when she came out, they sort of took her in the corner and they had to put a beanie on her head because apparently her, the skin on her head was damaged because it was from the fluid in the process of giving birth, and then they wrapped her in a towel and they said it's up to you whether you want to look at her body or not because it's not going to look like a normal baby's body. And so we just held her, um, you know, had cuddles with her. I think my husband had to hold her for a while while I tried to get my placenta out. Um, and my placenta came out and it was all crumbly. They couldn't say why, but that might have also been a part of it. It was They were concerned that there might have been bits left behind, which luckily there wasn't, but it apparently didn't look good either. 
did you end up looking at her body? Um, yes, we did. Yeah, we got, we were actually lucky. A local photographer comes in and takes family photos of the babies that have passed away at the hospital. So she had unwrapped her towel and she took photos of her body for us too, for us to remember. But yeah, it was, she had tiny little legs, tiny little arms and hands, and then her stomach and chest were just huge, swollen with fluid, and so was her face. What happens to you? Because are you still carrying all this fluid or is it like post-birth, does everything recalibrate or do they need to do something to relieve you? Yeah, so after that, um, it can last, the fluid can last for up to two weeks post-birth and it did... I can't remember quite how long, but it was a bit of a process for it to drain out. And I was still extremely swollen and uncomfortable in the, you know, big swollen legs and feet and my feet would be throbbing. But at night when I would sleep and I would weigh myself every day just to see how much fluid was coming out. But in one night, I think I'd lost... It was either six or eight kgs <gasps> oh and I my. would just wake up, yeah, wake up in the middle of the night and I was drenched, wet everywhere. The bed was wet. It was just seeping out of my body. Because I always wondered how the fluid drains. I thought it would have been wee, but it's like every way, right? Like any way yeah, that you can yeah. release fluid. Yeah. Man. So when you are recovering, are the doctors saying that this could happen again or is this just like a freak one-off thing or is this a genetic thing? Do they have answers? I shouldn't have said freak. I feel like that isn't the proper terminology. (laughs) But do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said not to try for another baby until we get our post-mortem results back. And that depending on what they find, it could take up to six months. But luckily it only took eight weeks and it came back as just a one in 200,000 chance that it happened to us. Wow. And yeah, and they didn't think it was genetic. So we didn't have to have IVF. We've gone on to have two boys since then. And they didn't have it. Okay. When you were pregnant and you were going through those 16-week and 20-week scans, even though they said it was one in 200,000, was there something in you that was like, I don't know, or did you just tell from your body because you didn't have similar fluid or symptoms? I got with the boys extra scans I had the same midwife so she was great and she would book me in I think it became almost fortnightly just to give me peace of mind 
but we were worried the whole time that it could happen again and I have since heard of other women where it only happens with one specific gender wow. so I had read about one woman who's got three sons but she's lost six daughters to high drops or something like that and so they can't tell you if that will happen until you have another baby of the same gender wow what was it like like I just want to go back a second with Iris was it easy to find peace or easier to find peace when you met her and you saw her did you know that you had made the right decision did you feel comforted that she needed to go um I think I didn't feel comfort until I got the post-mortem results and they said that her lungs were crushed and her heart was crushed and she would never survive on the outside at first even though I'd seen what her body looked like I still had the what if like what if we just waited another week and it had miraculously resolved itself or I always thought maybe did I do something to cause this like did I eat too much of this or drink too much of that or did I do this thing wrong I got a massage did that cause it Mm. and it took a while to get out of that headspace of not feeling like I must have done something to cause this which ways helped you grieve and heal I luckily was still entitled to pay parental leave after 20 weeks so I took the entire 12 or 16 weeks I think it was paid I took it off work and I pretty much just stayed at home and we got some nice um mementos and keepsakes we got her cremated and we had silver rings made for us and her ashes were put in like a little um sort of hole or something inside the ring and we got them engraved with her name and date of birth um I got someone made me a huggable heart where it was a heart filled with beads to her weight And so I slept with that. Another one of my friends took the blanket that she was sleeping on or laying on at our house and she got that made into a teddy bear for us and that's still um, in our bed every night. And that was seven years ago. Does it still feel as heavy? Um, uh, It doesn't feel as heavy as it did, but sometimes I sort of look around and be like oh shit I can't believe that happened to us yeah I just I'm just so sorry that that was your experience or so many people have this yeah especially when it just feels and your story in particular where there were just a few moments that were unnecessary you know, adding yeah, in yeah. to your situation. It just feels like we know many women have to birth 
deceased babies, which just in it, I just, I don't think I will ever be able to comprehend it. I don't think I'll ever, ever be able to get that. I understand that babies pass away, but for a woman to have to birth them, I can't, I can't get, I just can't. And for you to have experienced this, but also felt her symptoms and her discomfort, it's just, um, it's just a very unique, it's a very unique thing. And I'm sure it made you feel closer to her in some strange way as well. Yeah. You know, that you got to experience what she was experiencing as a mother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only bit I found hard was when we knew that she wasn't going to live and then I still had to wait until the time I was being induced. So I was still trying to get prepared, go to the mall and get clothes I needed for the hospital, go to the supermarket. And by then I looked like I was full term with twins so people would make comments about, oh, when are you due? And, oh, my gosh, look at your belly. And I would just lie. But then I would be so annoyed. Like I remember one woman at um, one of the makeup counters was like, oh, how far along are you? And even though I was only 21 weeks, I was like, oh, I'm 38 weeks, just so that she wouldn't then go, oh, you're huge. Yeah, so she'd just leave me alone. It's such a reminder, isn't it, that you never know what anyone's going through? Yeah. It's such a yeah. reminder to be sensitive all the time, like to not assume anything of anybody because it just makes those little situations or interactions so much worse to what you're walking into, you know? Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you would like to share about your experience or that would help people perhaps that know somebody or will even experience this themselves about what you endured? I think it's really good to reach out to support groups. So I found a group called SANS. I think they're worldwide. And they're the stillborn and neonatal death that offer support services. And a woman came around to my house um, and she talked to me. She had lost a baby herself. And so she just talked to me about her experience and she was just sort of an ear for me to listen, well, to listen to me. Um, I could text her or ring her at any time. She, when we had Iris, she came down and Mm. she did her handprints and her footprints for us and she gave us two teddies so that we put one with Iris and then we had one. And then on the day that we were getting her cremated, we swapped teddies so that we kept her one. Um, Yeah, they were really good. I was lucky, one of the midwives actually in my labour, she was a part of SANS as well. So she knew what I was going through. Um, she was great. She even um, 
when I had a baby shower for my eldest son, she made our baby shower cake <laughs> and incorporated iris into it with sort of a rainbow and butterflies going up the cake. So that was really nice. But I definitely think, yeah, find those people that have been through it because they're quite happy to listen to you because they know what you're going through while other people don't and then you make them feel awkward or um, uncomfortable or you don't want to make them feel like that. Do you feel like enough time has passed for you to be that for somebody or would you think about that in the future? Um, I have thought about doing it before. I know they're on call, the ones who come and visit at the hospital, so I would wait till um, my boys were older before I did that. Um, But I have thought about joining their local group, and I think I will one day. Yeah. All in good time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot to carry your own, let alone somebody else's. Yeah. I really, um, I'm just so appreciative that you reached out to us because I had absolutely no idea that mirror syndrome or high drops was even a thing. And so to share this is just so courageous. Can I ask you our final question? Who are you when no one's watching? Um, I have tried to think about my answer for this a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I listen to your podcast a lot. Um, uh, but I still couldn't quite come up with something. But I think I'm just me. I'm sort of a what you see is what you get sort of person and I just enjoy I'm a bit of an introvert so I just enjoy my time at home pottering around um being in my thoughts or doing something I enjoy doing and yeah that's (laughs) that's all I can come up with (laughs) I I think it's sometimes a problem for listeners of the show to answer the question because they've heard it 300 times. They're like, oh, gosh, (laughs) how do I say my thing? (laughs) Yeah. But I thank you so much for being with us today on The Deep. Well, thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.